So I'm trying out a new microphone because my guest today actually knows all about sound and I don't. Not all about. (laughs) (laughs) I know some things about sound. Yeah, so I got a new Aston microphone. And I keep saying Aston Martin, but it's actually just Aston. Spirit microphone. We'll see. We'll see how that goes. Remember, a while back, I had Eric Messicat as a guest on the podcast. Eric is the dude that mixes the sound for TV at the Bell Centre for the Montreal Canadiens. Well, this time, I'm talking with the Dudes, who mixes the sound for the crowd for the Montreal Canadiens and other events at the Bell Centre. Lisanne Collet Millet is a sound engineer with whom I've had the pleasure of working back in the early days of being in this business. Let's go see what she has to say now, after all these years, right after this. The Backstage Cowboys podcast is brought to you by AVL Media Group and Avolites, who make the best lighting consoles in the world. If you live in Canada, you now have access to the Avolites Academy online learning platform. The cost is $229, and that includes an editor AvoKey delivered directly to your door. Head on over to BackstageCowboys.com and click on the Avolites Academy logo to get all the details. Now, if you don't live in Canada, well, that means you're in another country. So if you're in the United States, head on over to Avolites.us. Anywhere else in the world, just go directly to Avolites.com and you'll find all the resources available in your country. And now, let's get on with the show. Here is another episode of the Backstage Cowboys podcast. Where's my drummer? Lizanne, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm excellent. Thank you. Okay. Yes, indeed you are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we've, yeah, we've worked together how long ago? Oh my God, at least, well, probably 20 years, starting 20 years ago. Wow, probably. am I that old? Jeez. Well, I'm also that old. <laughs> I was already old back then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, um, uh, yeah, I'm, well, I'm, I'm happy to have you on the show because it's happy to be here. you know I've been been meaning to uh, to get you on the show and you know things happen and uh, you go from one thing to the next and then boom time flies. Yep. Uh, yeah. So um I'd like to you know how I am. I don't know if you've if you've listened to many uh podcast episodes but I'm totally unorganized. So Fine. me too. Yeah, yeah. So there's no order whatsoever. Uh I'm just going to shoot a question at you. Okay. I'd like to know what you do Presently, what what is your work? Um, I mostly work at the Bell Center um, in Montreal. In Montreal, yeah, we have to specify because I I got people from the Le- Netherlands listening to this. You know, <laughs> hey, hello Netherlands. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I work in Montreal at the Bell Center, which is the uh, the main hockey arena, mm-hmm. um, and I do sounds for the Montreal Canadiens. So that occupies uh, the best part of my year. And other than that, well, I work for clients. I do patch. I do. I work on festivals. I uh, anywhere the you know my clients ask me to be. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> so at, at the Bell Center, I'm I'm intrigued. I mean, you're the, 
what you were saying to me before we uh, before we we started to be online there. Um, you were saying that you actually do the sound for the room itself, for the arena itself, yes, right? Yes, I'm kind of like FOH sound engineer, kind of if if we can qualify, you know, the the sound system I have as FOH. Okay, so you're getting sources <laughs> from all over. You're getting like uh, the, the 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 music. You're getting the announcers. Yeah, DJ uh, announcer. I have two uh, wireless mics, uh, like national anthem, and there's a uh, there's an entertainer that's there, like the guy, uh, like doing games with uh, the, the audience. Uh, referee? Re- yeah, I have two referee mics. Mm-hmm. Um, I have ambience mics. I've got uh, Diane playing the org, the mm-hmm. organ. Yeah, hi, Diane. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta and, get her on the show at some yeah, point. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, two inputs for VTRs, so video sources, that I can switch because there's more than two sources, but I have two inputs. Okay. So I can switch between sources. And I suppose you have mic, you, you have mics hidden on on the players' bench and you know where the no, coaches are. I no, I don't. Um, TV usually have that, but we, I I don't need that for the oh, for the yeah. house. Yeah, you're not going to shoot that inside the house. Right? No, exactly. So it's not uh, it's not something I have. Yeah. So what kind of a challenge is it to do sound in an in an arena like that where you have you know sources from all over the place and then you're we know, you know, the echo phenomenon and all that. So how do you deal with that? <laughs> well, there's not much you can do about the echo of the, I mean, when the the, the house is full, it helps a lot. Um, yeah. Also, I'm not in a, the greatest place physically to hear what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm all the way up in the press gallery and I have the PA like right in my face, but kind of no highs because it's aiming down. So it's kind of weird. So I have to trust that it sounds good. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and basically, I, I we have a sheet, we have a pacing, basically, and um, uh, Paul is our uh, show caller, and he calls us whatever, you know, needs to be on air, whether it's a video, whether it's a national anthem, whatever, you know, whatever it is, and I just follow the cues and push the faders. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so sound calibration has already been done. Yeah, know. basically. Yeah, we do like we we do a rehearsal every day, every well every game day um, for the um, opening sequence, which is a big video with uh, uh, there's uh, lighting going on, there's uh, ice projection, there's you know it's very loud, yeah, it's yeah. very like it's very. Yeah, it's a multimedia show now. Exactly, and it's and it's on time code, so we have to test it every day to so make sure the time code reaches. I, I'm not on time code, but like the video and the lighting. So we test that every day, and we m- usually uh, do a sound check for the national anthem, even though we have like four or five singers on, on repeat. Um, some of them don't sound check, some of them do. Okay. So we do that, so, yeah. And sometimes there are like different things going on. Uh, sometimes we have like maybe a musician for a certain event for a certain day or like a little band or something like that but it's very like it's once in a while and then we have to sound check for that mm-hmm. but yeah. a usual game with no outside like musician or no outside entertainment it's pretty easy and it's almost the same always the same thing yeah do you do anything else in that venue or you strictly do canadians games i do um everything that's ice rental not related to shows like not, no no concerts. Well, okay. I, although I could because it's an IATSE gig and I am an IATSE member uh-huh. uh, because it's head of sound for the Bell Center is a IATSE yeah. gig, so I have to be IATSE. Um, but uh, yeah, so I can do the shows, but I, I usually don't. 
um, but every ice ice rental because the, the ice is rented most days of the year whether for you know it's for shows or hockey or private events and I usually do the private events uh, sometimes it's like just people skating in a circle and the music oh, you know like okay. you know, like companies could rent the whole bell center for like a party like a company party mm -hmm. and have a little uh, you know like uh, Quebec against Montreal bureau uh, hockey game you know okay yeah and like hot dogs and stuff like that so so, so I usually do those events too oh so, wow Okay, I'd like to know, I'm going to go way back. Well, way back. As, as way back as I can go. I mean, you're not that old. Uh, <laughs> I'm not 20 anymore. You're not 20 anymore. <laughs> you look 20. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so, yeah, I'd like to go all the way back. I, what, I'm always intrigued about how you got to where you are. How did it all, all start? Because I often say, you know, if I, when I was in school, if I had known I could do this, you know, I wouldn't have been a computer technician and then a financial advisor and then whatnot, you know, everything I, I did to get mm -hmm. there. Although, you know, I trust that whatever you did serves you. Uh, but had I known in high school that I could mm -hmm. actually earn a living doing this, I, I might have went to it right away, you know. Uh, but I'd like to know, how did you wind up in this mess, I mean, in this business? <laughs> uh, my trajectory was uh, not linear at all. Um, I started being interested in sound. I guess I've always been interested in music. I was in, in a music program in high school. And um, at 14 years old, I saw my first big concert in Montreal, because I come from a, a region, uh, Laurentians. Where are you from? Uh, Laurentians. Okay. Yeah, Val David. Val David. Val David in the Quebec. Yeah, Val David, Quebec. And um, very little village, basically. Mm -hmm. And uh, so 14 years old, my favorite band was in Montreal, was, was playing a gig. What band? Green Day. Oh, okay. <laughs> Green Day, I was, yeah, 14. And it was at the old Montreal Forum. So like the the house of the Canadians before the Bell Center. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, I, I went I've got, I went with my friend. Um, and I saw like the PA and the, the, the lights, and I was like, oh my god, that's what I want to do. You know, I want to control those speakers. You know, it's like I didn't wasn't interested in lighting. I was I focused on the sound. I was like, I want to do that. But how do you get there mm -hmm. when you're from a little small village? And like there was no back then there was no well there, there was there was yep. school for for light for sound and stuff but not that many and it's was it was they were hard to find I mean there was not like advertised as yeah today. It, it wasn't in the course choices exactly you know, that so, they kind of gave you exactly so I mean I I didn't know where to go so anyways um, I had a friend in another village they had a, a youth center. Mm -hmm. And there's a guy there who, for some reason, I think it was to get out of parking tickets or something. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, anyways, uh, he was giving a little um, course on sound to the kids. And my friend, you know, was interested. So I went to the youth center with, to, to follow that little course on, on, on audio. And I don't know how long it it was several weeks against like I guess maybe uh, like one day on the weekend for several weeks mm -hmm. and uh, I loved it but you know again like I'm in high school 
what do I do? Where do I go? I don't know. And uh, after that, after I finished high school, I went to college in in languages. Mm-hmm. Like so, I learned Spanish and German. But it's not what I wanted to do. But I just didn't know where to go. But in Saint Jerome, where I went to to college, there was a um, there was a, a venue. Mm-hmm. Where all the the small tours in Quebec would would pass, yeah, and that, they would that uh, that venue in, inside the high school, I believe, right? Yeah, ex- uh, no, that's the other one. I w- the, there was a venue there was a venue inside the college called Salle Germaine Gavremont, which was a very weird, uneven room, uh, and it was at, on the first floor, so we had to take a eight foot elevator to bring the stuff. Up. It was not fun, but. <laughs> Yeah, well, and the other one was not fun either. No, it, it was worse, <laughs> but I've never, I, I've heard about it because some of my colleagues also worked there, but I never did. Hmm. But so I worked in Saint-Germain-Gavremont, so they would hire students. Again, you have to, you had to take like a 24-hour like uh, course on audio and you would be hired to work on the shows hmm. and also work on several like smaller shows inside the college and the Agora, they call it, you know, yeah. like the cafeteria or something. There was a smaller stage there. So so I did that. And then after that, where do I go? I mean, okay, I'm going to move to Montreal, but I'm... You're kind of on your own. Eh? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I, I had a friend in Montreal, one of one of the guy I was working with um, in Saint-Jérôme in college. I, he was working for uh, Grand Bambou in Montreal, which is a... a Agency, uh, yeah, tech agency, yeah, tech agency, yeah. Um, but and I started working a bit for the, for them, but uh, I like I and I applied to go to the uh, theater school also, mm-hmm. but I wasn't picked. Oh, yeah, you, you need to be picked. Oh yeah, yeah, it's it's a uh, wow. yeah 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 it's okay. it's a uh, because it's just like a national theater school. That was the only, there was that or um, there's another one in in uh, there's another, in college there's a college also in um, Saint Therese. Saint Therese, yeah. I don't think I applied for them. I, I wanted to go to Montreal, so but I, I didn't get picked. So I went to university in translation. You know, <laughs> after going to, after doing languages, I did translation. Um, I, I I love linguistics and I love this kind of thing, so it's kind of logical, but. I couldn't see myself uh, doing translation as much as I like it. You know what? My <laughs> daughter did the same thing. <laughs> so, um, so what I did, I did one year of university uh, working for like, for the agency a bit. And I was working also at a cafe, you know, get a, make a living somewhere. Yeah. And um, after that, after the first year of university, I told my mom, you know what? No, that's not what I want to do. And I applied to go to a place called L'Ecole du Show Business. Uh-huh. And um, that's, uh, I did uh, this, this course. This, this is, I think it's nine months. And uh, after that, I started working pretty much full-time in the business. So how, when you started working, how did you, uh, how did you get hired at first? Well, one of my teachers in L'Ecole du Show Business was uh, Jacques Tessier. Mm-hmm. So... Um, for those who know, yeah, he owns... Uh, Bonjour, Jacques. <laughs> Hello, Jacques. Uh, he owns theatrics. Yes. So, technology. So, but he was my, my audio teacher. And he, back then, we're talking more than 20 years ago, um, he was also, like, technical director for the whole University of Montreal campus. Oh. And he, he, was, he was working on other, like, on other gigs. And 
and he would hire some of his students and he hired me oh. for several events and he gave me the gig at a at the um University of Montreal's football stadium mm. so I my first uh sports gig <laughs> before the Canadians <laughs> was on football so wow. I was doing yes yeah university football I was kind of head of sound there at a Funny you should talk about football because your favorite band was Green Day. Yeah, mine is Green Bay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, and I did I, I did a several shows at well several I think two major shows at the um, at the Big O the Olympic Stadium with uh-huh. Jacques, um, and then I also and I got hired after that uh, at Cloda Cloda Focus, yeah. which is a rental company, uh, and I worked in the shop for most of a year, mm-hmm. uh, four days a week, doing gigs on the weekends. And at some point again, like I went, I don't, I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to be <laughs> out on gigs, yeah. let me out. And they did. And uh, I've been working gigs ever since. Wow, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's funny because, uh, you know, at a certain age, you want to get out there. You want to be in the action. You want to get, yeah. do the gigs and, you know, load the trucks at 4 a.m. and yeah, I'm, I'm I'm glad I did yeah. uh, the shop thing because you learn a lot. Yeah, and you, indeed. Yeah, but um, after a year, I'm like, yeah, I, I need to get out. This is not this is not for me. <laughs> yeah, it, it's all about you know who you are and, and yeah, you know it's 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 what what feeds you inside. Because mm-hmm. uh, some people they don't want to go out. I know I know some guys who've been in shops for all their lives and. They, and it's fine. Oh, they don't want to go out on gigs. Yeah, they just want to do their day and get home at night. And, you know, being an older guy, um, and I stopped touring a few years ago, uh, and I started having my weekends and my evenings back. <laughs> <laughs> and and my wife is still there, so I'm kind oh. of grateful for that. <laughs> that's good, that's good. Yeah, so, yeah, I got used to, to having a life mm-hmm. all of a sudden, but I do miss it. Yeah. I'll, I'll have to be honest, yeah, whenever I get... You know, once in a while, I got a friend who overbooks himself, and mm-hmm. I get out there and help him out. And I'm always happy to get back in the action. You know? Yeah, I bet. But I get tired <laughs> at the end of the day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, long days I can't do anymore. I mean, I don't like it. But yeah, once in a while, maybe. But you know, that's what what's happening with the Canadians. I mean, it's because it's I start at 3:30 p.m. and I'm out of there by by 10:30. Wow. So. No wrap-up, nothing. No wrap-up. Shut the system down. Exactly. Get the shut the out. system and go and go home. <laughs> it's, I, you know, it's a sweet gig. And I, it's fairly, I know, like, in September, I know my schedule for the rest of the year. <laughs> well, for the rest of the season. Yeah. Not the year, the season. Uh, so, and, and, I, and I, I just fill in the blanks with other gigs. But it's it's regular and it's not too long. And it's, yeah, it's kind of, pre, yeah. it's a good pre-retirement gig, I say. Oh, uh, yeah, I believe you. <laughs> so how how much of the year does that gig occupy you? Um, well, we started again like mid-September. Um, there's like a pre-season. We did, mm-hmm. we did, and then there's uh, the season starts this year on October 14th. There's going to be some uh, rehearsals before that for the opening sequence. And uh, yeah, and we finished the, the regular season and uh, mid-April and after that well if we go if we make the series we can you know go till June oh wow 
Okay. Maximum. <laughs> well, September till June is, is yeah. a pretty good season. So, yeah, so, so, it's so. a long season, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Well, the, the alky season is mid-October to mid-April, but, you know, you add a bit to that, so. Yeah. Wow, cool. Yeah. And then there's, like, and, and I, my, my summer is free for whatever festival I want to do or just chill out because, you know, I can Because you're, you're rich, right? <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not rich. <laughs> But I know I'm going to be busy during the, the, the winter, so I can take my summer a little bit more easy. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I like that. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Um, I'd like to go into uh, more crunchy stuff. <laughs> well, actually, uh, I know you, uh, you talk that you do something called audio patch. Yeah. Which is basically connecting everything on stage and sending signal to the FOH, right? Yep. Um, so tell me about that. How does that happen? I mean, you 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 install mics also, or you? Uh... Yeah, basically, you when you you get the the patch or like a, a patch list from e engineer mostly. Yeah. FOH engineer usually or like whatever tours or whatever gig we're doing. Sometimes it's one off. I do a lot of one offs. I suppose there isn't a patch list sometimes. Eh? Sometimes, but mostly there is. Or sometimes we make it as we go. Mm-hmm. But it's smaller gigs. I, on a big gig, you usually have a, a patch list that can be modified as you know as the, the thing evolves because you know it's always in motion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I get the patch list. I get the microphones out. I put them on stands. When the band comes here, when the instruments get there, I, I install the microphones. I patch them. In subsnakes. Um, well, that's it. Small Patching patch. in subsnakes. Can you explain yeah. that? <laughs> <laughs> um, it's basically well, you have a your your main patch, which is it could be anywhere from twenty something to ninety six, one twenty or you know like yeah, whatever many how many inputs you you've got, and you have to subdivide that in smaller boxes because you're not going to run 120 XLRs from your patch to the stage uh-huh. uh, basically so <laughs> so you you install your so usually it's uh, 12 boxes of 12 or sometimes 24 um, that you kind of put so yeah you in def- different positions exactly, on stage exactly so yeah. you have one say, let's say on the drums so the regular drum can be anywhere between 8 and 12 inputs sometimes there's more hmm. sometimes less uh, so you have one box at the at the drum, and then one box at the guitar that maybe does like uh, a talk back or the a vocal, a guitar vocal or whatever, mm-hmm. or, or maybe a keyboard, and then another another box at the bass that does you know whatever else is around there, and uh, maybe one in the front, or maybe you got uh, a big a wireless rack that you're gonna put right next to your main patch and just patch directly there, so. Basically, okay. it. So it's just routing signal. Yeah, yeah. So you're pulling cables and connecting stuff. Exactly. And sending the signal to front of house. Exactly, and making sure that the, the the right microphone is in the right input at the board. Yeah, that must be interesting when you know there's a lot of acts going back and forth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like festival patch is uh, always interesting. Uh, you got to be on top of everything. You got to make sure you're very organized and like. Sometimes you have a, some repatch to do. Sometimes you try to make it like to to make it fit into the same patch box, or you. But yeah, it's it's always different, and it's yeah, you have to be on top of uh, of your things, you know. 
Yeah, okay. And I suppose you're always on standby during sound check in case something doesn't make it? Or? Yeah, pretty much always standing by, sometimes standing by during the shows also. Um, well, that's what I was uh, I was wondering. Like During the shows, I often saw you standing by, you know, <laughs> stage side or something. Yeah. If you're standing by, that means a fuck-up can happen, right? Uh, yeah, uh, anything can them. happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, sometimes you you think your XLR is working and it's uh, and it's not. It, it, you know, there's a leg that goes, uh, you know, that, that goes pop and the <laughs> microphone starts wor- stuff's working in the middle of the show or like something falls and you have to, somebody has to run on stage to like pick up, you know, if the microphone falls or whatever you're, you know, sometimes like the drum riser is too, like, you know, is, is not properly fixed and yeah, uh, yeah. everything is uh, shaking and falling all uh, over the place it doesn't happen very often but i've seen it happen you know like <laughs> or somebody like uh, just like, taps the mic and it falls or you know whatever can then anything can happen basically like just somebody you know steps on a uh, power bar and like shuts it oh, off yeah. you know it happens you know anything so you have to you to be you know yeah because you got stuff all over the stage right exactly there's cables there's power there's like speakers you know monitors and there's there's a bunch of stuff and also like wireless so you know you, you change your batteries before the show but you you know maybe it, you know it can open the batteries can fall you know if, if the if the singer like throws himself on the floor or jumps, you know, it, it happens. Yeah, I've, that, se- I've seen a bell pack fly and just, <laughs> you know, explode open on the stage, and I had to take mine and give it to the singer, you know. Wow. So, <laughs> in the middle of the show. So. Yeah, I've seen a battery, uh, my battery story is a uh, sound guy who, well, we just didn't have batteries, right? Mm-hmm. So, sound guy goes to the uh, convenience store and buys a whole bunch of these what he thought were Duracells because they were the same color. Mm-hmm. Didn't take the time to read it properly. And 10 minutes into the show, it might start going. Oh. You know? <laughs> and then, you know, the guy says, what the hell's going on? This is my second mic. And then the third mic. And oh, what? my God. And then I just pull the battery pack out. And I, I look at it and I say, hey, dude, <laughs> this is like knockoffs. Yeah. <laughs> These are not Duracell. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Yeah, my favorite battery stories is um, it was a it was a Greek show I think, um, and before the show I changed all the batteries. Well, before we went to dinner, I changed all the batteries, and I I always put the the bad batteries or the used batteries in in you know, the box or the battery box, and and I write in big red mm-hmm. I X used, and I put it on the side. Yeah, and when I came back, the show started. And that's uh, at some point the, the batteries are dying, and I look over at the where the batteries were. And the, the monitor engineer he had changed them all mm. the batteries back to the bad ones, oh. to the used ones. Thought he was doing a good thing there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it didn't see the big X used <laughs> on the box. Apparently, it was not obvious enough. Uh huh. Anyways, so yeah, that's uh, that was yeah. interesting. We had to run on stage and change batteries here and there. Well, I can tell show. you from experience, a Greek show, even with new batteries, they're oh. gonna they're gonna run out. Yeah, because the show's not gonna end before the batteries end. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, nowadays the batteries they last longer. They're more efficient. Well, the, the actually the the packs are more efficient, so they they take less batteries. Yeah, but, but back then Greeks we have... stay out later too. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They. They. Yeah. 
too many Greek shows. I don't want to think about it. <laughs> don't make me think about it. It's a well, trauma. Well, no, let's go there. <laughs> let's go there. Uh, my, my, I have so many memories of, of Greek shows because it's not a show. It's a party. Oh, right? It's a party. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it always ends up like at 4 a.m. with everybody on stage. Yeah, yeah. But it starts at 11, or sometimes midnight. Yeah. I mean, people walking at 9, I think. Yeah, the headliner sometimes yeah. comes on as, uh, at uh, yeah, 1 a.m. or exactly. something. Exactly. And yeah. It, yeah, and sometimes they... They rotate. I mean, they have like two two singers and they rotate. Mm-hmm. But the band stays there the most of the time. That's, that's what's amazing. I mean, the band stays there for like four or five hours. Yeah. They don't stop. Except the bouzouki players. The bouzouki players are allowed to have breaks. Oh, okay. Have you, have you never noticed that? No, no. Sometimes there's a bouzouki player. There's usually two. And sometimes one is going to walk out and sometimes the other. The bouzouki players have breaks, but not the other ones. Well, I'm not surprised. I mean, I played a bouzouki once. And I suppose that after a few hours, you get cramps. I, mean. I guess. I guess. I mean, or like they, they have a higher status, maybe. Oh, <laughs> I don't could know. Be, could be there aren't that many of them. <laughs> I don't know. I never asked. Yeah. So how are your relationships with the... Uh, not personal. I, not not that I mind going there, but um, I'm I'm talking about uh, about on stage, you know, with the uh, with the the performers, uh, the musicians, and all that. Uh, how does that work? I mean, is it, is it smooth? Are they, you know, usually smooth. Um, I try to like to be as like out of their way as possible. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm just. You know, if if they they're happy, I'm happy. That's usually you know my my philosophy here. Um, so I try to be as like discreet as possible. I I do a lot of the work before the actual musicians come in. So, and then when they get there, sometimes I will get ask questions. I gonna help them set up their stuff. I. Uh, but yeah, it's it's usually a good relationship. I'm. And yeah, well, basically, yeah. you're there to give them signal. Once they have Ex- signal, after that, they deal with the monitor person, right? Yeah, but all you know, sometimes I'm I'm also you know also do other like things like give them power, like help them with you know with their stuff sometimes. So, you know, I do customer service. Yeah, I, I call it customer service. You know, so especially in like a, a, a festival settings, sometimes they're very independent. You have to read people a bit when you uh-huh. do this kind of job. I mean, you have to know like when people are kind of nervous or like they're looking for they're looking around for something you have to you know you know you have to go see them and like are you you know do you, do you need help do you need something and sometimes they're you, you you see that they're very independent they're they know exactly what they're doing and they don't need anything so you just step out you know just stay out of their way yeah and wait for them to to ask for something if they need to so yeah you have to read people a yeah. lot. i mean you're on stage Oh, indeed. Um, I'd like to go into a little more, uh, a little more of, of the technical aspect mm-hmm. of plugging stuff in, because I mean, whether you're plugging a keyboard, you're plugging in uh, like a bass or a guitar directly into the line, mm-hmm. or you're miking an amplifier, uh, or all that. How do you deal with that? I mean, how do you know whether you need a direct box or whether you need a what box? Or because I know nothing about sound, right? I know I know what a direct box is because I play the bass. Yeah. And I know that direct boxes are some of them are very bad and some of them are very good. Um, and uh, but that's all about that's all I know. I mean, I I wouldn't know the first thing if I were to play with a band, and I I don't, but I might at some point. If I were to play with a band, I I wouldn't know what to bring on the stage. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, what what exactly you need to get me out there? Well, 
if if your instrument has a jack output, a quarter inch jack, I mean, usually we use a direct box. You need a jack to jack into a direct box. And what does the direct box do exactly other than just it, take the signal and push push it forward? <laughs> uh, how do I put it? I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm terrible at, at technical exp- explanations. You don't um, have to know this, right? I'm just asking. <laughs> I, I kind of I know. It's just like to put it into the right words. Yeah. Um, but it's basically direct injection. So it's kind of, it, it pre-amplifies the signal and like, if, if it's, um, well, there's there's two types of, of, of direct box. There's a like passive and active. Yeah. So active, you have to send like power to it. Yeah. Um, and act, and so usually we, we usually use the active ones for s- stuff that has um, a lower sound, like from the like like an acoustic guitar. It's like an uh-huh. acoustic guitar is not very, you know, there's not a, a lot of output. Yeah. To start with, yeah. A keyboard, you know, that's power. You know, that's, it's it's plugged in, so there's plenty of power out of your keyboard, and you have volume, so you can use passive. That's okay. not a problem. So yeah, and so that's pretty pretty much it i mean but all of this is going to be pretty much always on the on the on the patch list i mean yeah, yeah engineers okay. engineers are going to tell you okay this 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 needs to be a di um yeah so yeah. at the end of the day it's not your call necessarily it's, not necessarily yeah. i mean unless i mean we we do a show like a, a bit amateur show and there's like there's no nothing and like, yeah, yeah we just patched on the go i mean i'm gonna know also sometimes it's just like it's a matter of what do i have <laughs> you know <laughs> it's like reality uh, yeah um i'd like to put a active di but i only have passive so it's gonna have to do or, yeah. or the opposite you know so what do i have in my toolbox this today you know because I, yeah. I don't i don't usually make the lists you know so i i work with what i'm being sent <laughs> yeah that's true. so uh yeah so you know, what are we gonna what are we gonna mic the drums with today? I don't know. Let's find out, you know? So <laughs> So how often does it happen? You pull something out of your toolbox and you try to plug it in and it don't work? Oh uh, fairly regularly. <laughs> <laughs> Sadly. Sadly, yeah. Uh, so what do you do about that? I mean first of all, you know, you pull out a direct box, let's say. Mm-hmm. You hook that up, boom boom, okay. Nothing happening. Where do you start troubleshooting? How do you know the problem is coming from there and not from one of the cables or not from the instrument output or from Patchbox or the snake? Yeah, or- <laughs> well, you, you got to start at, at one end or the other. So I would like start at maybe at the DI box, maybe like plug a mic into it. Mm. If if that works, maybe it's your instrument that's wrong or maybe the cable, the instrument cable. That's, yeah. that's not working. Yeah, you have tricks to Yeah, yeah. So if that doesn't work, you just yeah. unplug the DI, put a microphone in the in the cable. Oh, if that works, well, the DI is wrong. Well, so yeah, okay. and so on and so on. You know, it could be the, the, the patch box, it could be the, the main line, it could be that the sound man is not sending phantom power. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> you know. That too. It happens, not very often though, but it happens. Yeah. I've seen it happen. Or a sound uh, sound man just turned on the wrong channel. Exactly. Yep. It happens. I, mean, I do it all the time with lighting. <laughs> <laughs> Why'd that cue go wrong? Oh, that wasn't the cue I was supposed to fire. Yeah. Oh, wrong light. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, but people don't notice it that much when I make a mistake. Yeah. If you don't hear the singer, then yeah, it's a little more obvious. Yeah, when it's a singer, it's obvious. When it's maybe, I don't know, like the second keyboard, maybe yeah. it's not that obvious. Or how often you see a TV show and there's somebody playing guitar and you can't hear that damn guitar. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well. Oh, that's my phone. Oh, 
Yeah, should have put that on mute, eh? Yep. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> it's fine. So, load ins, load out, load outs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all that stuff. Um, because, you know, there's there's sort of a, a thing going on with techs that certain techs get there once the truck's unloaded. And uh, there's another thing that's, you know, some techs get to the gig before the truck arrives and they leave once the door's closed and... Um, I mean, what a typical day. I'm, I'm not talking about a Bell Center uh, mm-hmm. gig, but I mean, a typical, you know, a corporate gig or something like that. Uh, what kind of a day do you have? Um, I'm usually the kind to be there a bit with the trucks. I mean, unloading the trucks, unless I'm hired to do, you know, at a later hour. I mean, yeah. I mean, sometimes the client decides, um, sometimes I'm not needed at the 8 a.m. in the morning, but I'm usually going to be there like first thing in the morning, unloading the trucks um, with the rest of the crew and then set up the, you set up the PA if we need, sorry, mm-hmm. uh, set up the PA if we, we need to set up a PA if it's not a, a room that already has one, uh, set up a stage. It's um, so usually sound checks after that, you know, and then do a show, unload a show, and stay until the truck's loaded and the doors are closed. Yeah. That's what I usually, what I usually do, you know. Yeah. Dinner break. Dinner break, uh, yeah. Sometimes Hopefully. you get food, sometimes not. Some, sometimes yeah. you get food and you don't have time to eat it. Yeah. I, <laughs> you know, I've e- eaten my share of meals on sitting on roll cases. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, we all do. Get used to it. <laughs> <laughs> but it's fine, you know. Uh. So what happens down the line? What's next? Uh, I don't know. Um, what's next? Did you ever know what was going to happen next since you started this? Not really. Yeah. Not really. I mean, you just go with... I'm, I'm a kind of go with the flow person. I, I think you have to be to do this job, right? Yeah. But some people are so driven. They want to get somewhere and they want to, you know, like, I have no plans at all. I just wanted to work, you know? <laughs> I wanted to... Well, I wanted to get to a point when I'm just not just a, a case pusher you know yeah, I, yeah, I, I i i do something that's kind of meaningful that's but yeah after beyond that i mean i had no no plans no career plans at all i mean i i didn't know i was going to end up at a bell center or doing like i do some tv shows uh, sometimes i, I mm-hmm. work on you know doing major festivals and stuff you know i just wanted the next gig and uh Hopefully that was a better gig than the you know the previous one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's uh, yeah there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of uh, unknown factor, mm-hmm. and I think that we're cool with that, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So tell me, what's the, the coolest gig? My coolest you've done? gig. Oh god! And you can take the time to think about this. Mm. Because sometimes there's stuff that happens that really you know is memorable and memorable. And uh, and it's just like something, you know, uh, that 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 makes you, you know, live something that mm-hmm. that you never thought would happen. Yeah. Um, a few years back, I was hired by Just for Laughs 
to work on um, it's a group of comedians called uh, Raquel Bazareille, so mm-hmm. local comedians. Yeah. Um, so it's a. Oh, they had a huge TV show uh, yeah, b- back in the 80s. Exactly. Yeah. They yeah. were very, very popular in the 80s. Yeah. It's, it's a sketch based um, comedy, basically. Yeah. So they do different characters and stuff. And they had albums also, they do, do, do music and stuff. So, mm-hmm. And um, they did like a reunion show. At, uh, so I, I was hired to do Patch and Wireless on, on that. And that was a lot of fun. And so they decided that the next year, the next summer, they would do it again, but at the Bell Center and at the Video Home in Quebec City. So they would do more shows. They would do the, well, basically the same show, a little bit different, mm-hmm. but bigger with like <laughs> screens and, you know, big setup and stuff. So, and I was there again and for, because it's like a week of rehearsals at least. Uh-huh. And then like at least three shows. And that was it. Was a lot of fun, a lot, a lot of oh, fun. Yeah. yeah. So the guys are cool. Are, are cool. Yes. Yeah. I had a, so much, so much fun. Um, well, I suppose if yeah, when you're doing a show to make people laugh like yeah. that, I mean, at some point. I mean, they they have this, it's four guys that have four different personalities. Yeah. Um, but I met like the people I work with, the team that was there working on, on this on these shows. They were they were amazing. I mean, I. The guy who did like the costumes and the decor and like the the, the freaky stuff, like the weird stuff, um, like he, he was he was so he was so great. He was so cool. Um, we have the, the we had um we have a big sound team. I mean, like two monitor guys. Me. Uh, there was another wireless person. There's an FOH guy. There was a tracks person. I mean, you know, there was a there's a band. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I don't. It's hard to explain. I mean, it, it was just so much fun, and such a uh, challenge also. Yeah, because I had to run around. I mean, it's not just patch and you know, when I did wireless, but I was I would like run around with microphones to give the guys because they would like change costumes. There was a lot of costume changes, and I had to like take a mic and run to give it to him because you know I had to. Yeah. put the mics and stuff because the, in in a lot of their um in their uh in their sketches sometimes i would have to put a microphone into an accessory oh so i would have to grab the mic put in the accessory wait for the the guy to change give him like the mic make sure that the the his, his belt pack for his in-ears was like properly reattached to the new costumes mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? so yeah it was uh it was interesting yeah, because those guys—it's not just comedy. The they're to begin with, they were supposed to be a band. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, well, they, they, they started radio. They did a radio. Well, show. they did a radio show before, but I remember them explaining that originally they wanted to start a band called the Rocky Bezari. Okay. Yeah, and uh, at some point they got into comedy, mm-hmm. and uh, and that just went on. But they have a lot of hit songs, funny yeah. funny songs. Yeah. So uh, you know, when they're doing the show, they're also performing. Yeah, music musically. Yeah, but it, uh, it's um, a guy. Oh, what's his name? Oh, it's so but it, there's a yeah, there's a guy who writes the songs with them. Well, they do, at least the music. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Gita, Gita, something. He was oh. also he was playing the guitar on the on the okay. shows. Yeah, super nice guys. So. Well, yeah. these guys, yeah, they've been around for a long time. Mm-hmm. But that's another thing. You know, sometimes they've been around for a long time. They know what they're doing, but at the same time, they're older. Yeah. So performing like that is. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was a, it was a challenge for them yeah. too. So yeah. Uh, yeah. 
but uh, they, 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 they're very professional. I mean, that's why we had like a full week of rehearsals. They would uh, repeat the numbers and repeat the, you know. Mm-hmm. Funny because at, at some point in the show, they would take off their pants. <laughs> the pants, they had like, uh, like uh, yeah, Velcro. vel- velcroed pants yeah. and it would take it off, take them off. And during the rehearsals, I, I, I didn't know. Nobody told me. And I'm during rehearsal, I, I see that going on. And I'm like, and I, I just walked to the other side of the room to the costume ladies and was like, how are we gonna, are we gonna attach the belt packs? <laughs> um, I think we need to plan for like a, a, an elastic band yeah. for like attached to a part of their, of their bodies because you know, it's not gonna work. I mean, we, we have to do something about it. And we're like, oh. Nobody had thought about that. Yeah. You know, which is, oh, yeah, we're just taking <laughs> off our pants. Yeah, but yeah. you, you know, yeah, yeah something. Some flying mics. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, so we uh, we came up with a solution. The the, 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 the seamstress made a, like a, a flesh-colored elastic bands yeah. for their uh, ties. And during intermission, we would uh, change the, <laughs> the yeah. bell pack. If you have that up against the skin, then you got the sweat going in there. Yeah. That's another challenge too, right? I've seen a couple of times the microphone just failing because of sweat. Oh yeah, sweat or mostly or it's the belt packs. If if you have a microphone that's with a belt pack, like a yeah. headset mics, yeah, I've seen belt packs go in uh, condoms to prevent that. Oh yeah, I've seen that before too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. just to protect them uh, yeah. from, from the uh, not lubrified condoms. Of not course. lubrified. <laughs> <laughs> it's easier to get them out though. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Then you might have another problem. So that was the great gig. Yeah. Let's yeah. talk about the worst gig. Oh, gosh. <laughs> so I'm pretty many. sure there are quite a few of those. Yeah. Oh, I'm glad I had one recently. Uh, that was that was pretty much a nightmare. You know when the stuff doesn't get there mm. on time? <laughs> and, well, I mean, it's not, and it's not because of traffic, and it's not. It's just bad, bad organized. Planning. Bad yeah. planning. Just yeah. bad planning. Stuff coming from two different shops, and it's just not on time. And we have like two de- well, two days of setup before the event. It's an outdoor event, and I mean we can't we can't work. I mean we don't have the the stuff. I mean we we rigged a PA on the first day. We didn't have a console to test it with. Mm-hmm. I mean we had to go like with the you know an iPhone straight into the amp basically. Wow. <laughs> <You know? laughs> to test the PA. I mean how crazy is that? Wow. Yeah. And uh, so exactly. And and the second day with the with the band, the major band was coming um, at the end of the day to just to set up and and line check, and we received the stuff. I think like as they were walking in. Oh wow! Literally, like we, so. Nothing like, is set up. You just nothing got nothing is set up. I mean, uh, we had a big rack of in-ears that is not even patched in. I mean, in the backs. I mean, it's was that at the Bell Center? No, it's because I heard of I heard of a gig that got delayed because of that because something didn't happen or. Oh yeah, there was a gig that was delayed because the truck went somewhere else. Oh okay, but that was that few happens years. too. That was a few years ago. Yeah, yeah. The, the yeah. guy didn't know where the Bell Center was, which is like the biggest venue in Montreal. Mm. Yeah, he didn't know where it was. Uh, yeah, I remember uh, somebody telling me that they're they're on a gig, they're waiting for their stuff, yeah. and the truck gets in. They open up the door, and it's fruits and vegetables. Oh yeah, they sent the wrong truck. Great. <laughs> yeah, once I had a truck for an for an out. And it didn't have anywhere to hook. 
straps. Oh, oh no anchor was, points. Yeah, no anchor points. Woo! It was flat, flat, Beautiful. flat. It was a, a like a hay bale truck. No flip. Yes, flip. <laughs> oh, no. It was like, you go back and find us another truck, please. Yeah. Yeah, because it was full and it's like. Or nah. they sent, or they send you a truck that hadn't been emptied. Yes, yeah, happened like, to me once too. Oh, the great. guy picks up a truck and he doesn't take the truck he's supposed to because he likes the other one better. Mm-hmm. But didn't think that there was a whole bunch of crap in the truck. Great. <laughs> open up the door and the truck's already full. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. The truck also uh, break. It's not an, it's axle or something. I mean, it was in the winter and it was um, it was going up a a, a hill and I, we could see it in the distance turning, and it's it stopped. Oh, because um, what's this called? It's, anyway, some of it, it something fell off. Oh, of the truck. Okay. So it was stuck there. In you know, in the middle of the road. Blocking traffic from all in all directions. It was in old Montreal, so it, old, so it wasn't like in Rings the a bell. highway. It was in the winter time, right? It was in the winter time. I think I was on that gig. Y- were you? Well, oh. either I was on the gig or I was at the shop. Probably yeah, trying yeah. to deal with it. Exactly. Yeah. Probably yeah. It was at the uh, what's this called? Another uh, St. James. St. James Theater. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we we're all waiting there for the truck to load our stuff, and the truck is definitely not coming. Yeah. Interesting. We, we see it. We see it. It's there, but uh, no, it's not coming. <laughs> So I think we came back the next day or something. Yeah, because here in Montreal, we deal with winter. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes that happens. You know, we did gigs up north where mm-hmm. you know, the truck just won't go up the hill. Exactly. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, we did gigs outside in winter too, and I tried to avoid that at all costs. Oh, yeah. Because I hate it. Yeah. But sometimes you don't have a choice. Yeah, so try to coil frozen cable. Yeah. <laughs> well, we ran a uh, a snake, an analog snake, into a, a pipe once for for a show. And uh, for some reason, I'm, it's like it melted, like snow melted, and but it froze again. So oh. in the pipe. So I mean, it was impossible to get the snake out. I don't know what they. I mean, I don't know if they had to wait for the whole thing to thaw. Yeah. <laughs> the only way to the only way to deal with that is to send power through the cable, yeah. make it heat up, and melt the ice. Probably. Yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't remember. <laughs> I think I, I, I'm pretty sure that when I left after it, it, the snake was still there. So here's like a what can I call this? You know, an ordinary question, like anybody would ask this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in all the people you've worked with, I mean, obviously you work with fellow technicians, you work with production houses and all that, mm-hmm. but you do get to meet, you know, famous people, right? Yeah. Yeah. So tell me about that. How, you know, who who have you worked with and, and how did that go? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I've, I've worked on several big shows where like the, the, the headliner was a big star I don't usually meet them a lot. I don't usually interact a lot with them. But well, we don't run after them. No, exactly. Right? Exactly. We're not groupies. Yeah. So, and the last thing you want to do is is be a groupie and ask for autographs and start being like nagging. Yeah. So you know they're there to do their job. You do your job, and that's it. But um, I've I've had the oh that's funny, uh, Angelina Lajoli's father, John Voigt, told me I was wonderful once because I put a mic on him. Oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> I remember that all my life for some reason. Like I just put a, a headset mic on, on on him for a conference type thing. It was like a conversation um, for for I think a charity event, 
And uh, yeah, and I'll ask him if it, was, if it was okay, if it was comfortable. He said, oh, yes, and you're wonderful. I'm like, okay. So that was my uh, in- encounter with John Voigt. Um, but yeah, I worked with, uh, like, on Aerosmith concert, um, Maroon 5, Blind Boys of Alabama. I worked with um, out of Beach Boys a few times, a couple times yeah. for festivals. Um, I worked, um, there's this gig I do every year. Um, they, it's, it's a Battle of the Bands type thing that's a charity event again. And they always invite, like, a, an old school, like, music star for, mm-hmm. like, from... from from the 70s usually and um over the years they've had um oh, i'm gonna remember names um band members like from the eagles like they had don uh, felder oh yeah don, like don felder from the eagles um they had um, tito jackson's mm-hmm. um michael's brother who <laughs> wanted an orange cab absolutely wanted an orange cab for his guitar and we had to find it and he tried it, and he was like, no, I'll take Defender. <laughs> we, we went all over the freaking city to find a freaking orange cab for him. We had a brand new one out of the box. <laughs> and he, he was like, nah, I'll try Defender Twin. Like, wow. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> uh, yeah, and um, I've worked with Cool uh, and the Gang recently. It's pretty nice, pretty great oh, people. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's funny because sometimes we work with those yeah, old school bands, mm-hmm. you know, legends. Yeah. And they're not always, you know, the band is often not complete because they lost some of the band, mem- band members and all yeah, that. Yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. I remember doing the Pointer Sisters. Where, mm-hmm. you know, oh, yeah. The, we did the Pointer Sisters. Oh, we were, we were on that together. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. It was, that was a cool show. It was one or two Pointer Sisters, which were a Pointer Daughter, I think. Were pointer yeah, <laughs> I think there was two of the Pointer original. Niece or something. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, when yeah, we were yeah, offline there, you were talking about Martha Wash too. Yeah, Martha Wash, I did a few times. Uh, yeah, the last time I think it was outside for a like a small event in in a city and like in a city park, mm. and they and they had a helicopter land during her set. It was like. Damn, like wow. it's you know, it's like it was in the field, but it was so freaking loud. I mean, it was like, why? What timing? What bad timing is that? Anyways, it was yeah. funny. Oh, that's. I mean, just hearing this, like Martha Wash doing a small gig at this point. Yeah, I mean, why? Yeah, sometimes it's why it's it's just strange. Like you know, you wonder. I mean, how come these people are doing these small gigs? I mean, they should be doing like. You know, yeah, arenas. Exactly, but no, it doesn't. Oh, well, I mean, I don't get it. If, if they're, I mean, if yeah. they get paid to be somewhere, why not? Yeah. I Talking mean, about interference, I was in the old port once, and uh, there was this uh, RCMP parade. Oh. Mounted police, mounted Canadian police. They were uh-huh. doing their parade. It was on Canada Day, and at the end of the uh, pier, there was Plume La Traverse doing a sound check. Oh. <laughs> that was really funny. Interesting. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I worked with Plum once. Boy, he's tall. Yeah, is he? Is he? <laughs> oh, I never met him, really. Really? Oh, no. no. I, no. I worked with them at a place called uh, La Ripaille. Mm-hmm. It's a, it was a, it's, well, it was a bar. It still exists, but it changed because it burned down. Yeah. But I, at I the old Ripaille, like, the stage was so, like, very small and the ceiling very low. And it was a beam, like a big wooden beam with lights on it. And, I mean, the guy was, like, 
wasn't the, the guy said it wasn't the beams like the guy is like six three or something wow yeah it's funny that this, there was a part of the stage kind of there's a square missing and they would put a four by four riser on four cases of beer to make the stage a bit bigger <laughs> at Laripai. yeah yeah that's funny that's what i saw uh, i saw a stage once made out of two by fours but i mean bales of two by fours oh because it was uh, it was a festival, the uh, Festival du Boucher. Oh, interesting. So yeah, uh, lumberjack festival. Mm. So they had these bales of two by fours, and they just stuck them against each other and screwed a plywood down on it. And there you go, your stage ain't going anywhere, even if there's a tornado happening. <laughs> interesting. Well, that's one way to do it. Yeah, <laughs> at least it's solid. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, uh, yeah. You talked about the Beach Boys too. That was uh, yeah, that was something. I did them in Kanawaki once. Really. Yeah, oh. and uh, we actually, I, I wound it up on the follow spot that night because I, uh, I was technical director on there. Mm-hmm. I was with uh, Dominique, uh, uh, Dominique Morissette. Okay. And uh, he was head electric. Mm-hmm. And the two local guys that were supposed to do the uh, follow spot didn't show up. Oh, right. Yeah, as usual. Yeah. So we just grabbed one each. And we couldn't hear fuck all on the clear com. I mean, the guy oh. was calling the shots and was like, nah, we can't hear you, dude. And he was going crazy. And at some point, I just climbed down, went up to the guy and said, with all due respect, sir, I think I know the songs better than you do. <laughs> Don't worry about the follow spots. We know where to go. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> all right. Uh, any last words you want to say before we <laughs> we turn this thing off? <laughs> uh, oh god i don't know well what's your advice <laughs> yeah okay i'll go there uh what's your advice you know for youngsters who are starting out in this business Cause this is a little different because now they can learn this stuff a lot of schools offer uh technical yeah. you know uh, mm-hmm. yeah you can learn a lot of yeah. technical stuff in school uh what you don't learn is that i think the dynamic of the show um i say just listen be be aware of everything that's happening not just your department you know you have to always be aware of everything like even if you do sound be aware of lighting be aware of video be aware Mm. of of everything around you because that's how you learn like the whole thing you know like the dynamic the whole dynamic of a a show yeah the show is always bigger than you exactly so you have to work with other departments So you can't just focus on your belly button here. You have to, you know, <laughs> teamwork. To, yeah, exactly. So you have to see where, and don't, don't never, ne- never be afraid to ask questions, mm. you know, before you, before you do something that you're not sure of. Always ask first if you're not sure. Wise advice. <laughs> Nizan, thank you so much for being on the show. You're very welcome. Really appreciate it. And, uh, well, I wish you uh, happiness Thanks. for your upcoming gigs and uh, keep that hockey game rolling because uh, us Canadians, we really enjoy that stuff. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've got the coolest gig in the, in Montreal, I think. Indeed. Yeah, now that I know it's you, I mean, <laughs> it's different because I got you doing the sound for the room and mm. I got my other buddy, yeah. Eric Mascott, who's doing... Uh, actually, I had him on a, an earlier uh, podcast yeah, exactly. episode. Yeah, I should. Yeah, I and he's doing the one. sound for television. Yeah. So now... I know people, you know, <laughs> in very important places. <laughs> All right. Okay, take care. <laughs> you too. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. The Backstage Cowboys podcast is brought to you by AVL Media Group and Avolites, who make the best lighting consoles in the world. If you live in Canada, you now have access to the Avolites Academy online learning platform. 
The cost is $229, and that includes an editor AVO key delivered directly to your door. Head on over to BackstageCowboys.com and click on the AVO Lights Academy logo to get all the details.